Elizabeth here for the first question. We've got a new assistant on the mic now, Nathan. So uh, put your hands up and let him see you, OK? Because he's a little bit smaller than Rhiannon, and he may not see you. Right, over to Steve. Who's got the next question? <laughs> I'm happy to say anything. Oh, he's here again. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Who is the best player that you've signed in this latest group of people and why? And who is the best player that you've ever signed as a manager and why? <laughs> oh Christ, I think I'll be thinking cap on now, aren't I? Um, well obviously most of the signings of myself and Martins, um, the only players I didn't have a say in was the first four signings. After that we spoke about all the signings. It's, after five, six weeks it's probably a bit early to to say who was going to be the best of those uh, players. So I'm not sitting on the fence, I will come up with somebody. Um, Martin actually said to me that he thought Craig Clay would be man of, uh, player of the year. Um, and I wouldn't disagree with that, but, although at the moment he isn't the team. There's a long, it's a long, long season, as you know. Um, Josh Colson's been a really good loan signing because he's given us presence, height, experience. Um, I know you all like Jacob Priest, uh, or the majority like Jacob Priest. And I think Alex Lewis has probably been our best midfield player at the moment. I think it's, it's always difficult to to say who's going to be player of the year, who's going to be the best player. Because um, you hope they all do well. Because if they all do well, then we've, we've done well. And we will have a good season. So I want them all to be successful. It's difficult to pick one. If I was going to pick one, I'd think, uh, I would hope for his sake, because of the amount of work he does in a game that Macaulay Bonney is 20 plus goals and uh, gets what he deserves because he's a brilliant lad and he's only 21 you have to remember at his age he's still learning the game he's still got a lot to offer he never stops running he does the most kilometres in every game along with Alex Lawless every week week in week out he works he's nuts off and as a manager that's that's a great asset it's something that you want every player to do, uh, even though sometimes he might not have that magical ability, he will get goals because he literally, from the minute he starts to the, the last minute of the game, he runs and runs and runs and runs. So I would hope, from my point of view, that I hope the best sign is McCauley and he gets 20 plus goals because that means if he's had a good season, we'll have a job holding on to him. But if he does, then that means we've done well ourselves. So I think the best player that I've signed or I've been involved with is probably Nick Powell. He's probably the best player that I've ever worked with in terms of he should be doing what um, Deli Alley's doing for England. He's, he's as good, if not better, than Deli Alley, even though you know where Nick's playing at Wigan and where Deli's playing is absolutely worlds apart. But the problem Nick had was he didn't do the work as a kid from the physical point of view. He always dipped out of doing the weights and the extra work and I think now he regrets that because his body wasn't able to cope with the work he did at Manchester United and he broke down, he had hamstring problems and he's had injury after injury. And um, when you get that many injuries, you, it's very hard to come back from. So, But in terms of talent and natural ability, he's definitely the best that I've worked with. He could do anything with the football. And if you remember the, the goal he scored at Wembley, um, when he flicked it up with one form and followed it with his other form. It was an amazing goal, one of the best goals I've seen at Wembley um, and then after that game I, I actually 
dragged him to one side and told him that he was moving to Manchester United. So it was one of the best feelings that he'd scored the best goal soon at Wembley. And the manager was telling him he was going to Manchester United because we'd agreed 6.2 million for him. So from the club's point of view, it was great. And as I say, he was the best player um, that I've ever worked with. Um, it's difficult to know which is the best player I've signed. Um, but I think, you know, I think he's the best player that I've worked with at the moment. But hopefully I'll work with better. Steve, um, Mooney is a 10 and uh, a big lad up with Bonnie and playing a 3-5-3. Something that you'd perhaps consider? Is that uh, something that you'd, you'd look at if we had the right, the right personnel? I think that would give me 12 players, but... Um, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I'm not Three five two, I like actually. I, I played in that. I'm in. I'm in. Mooney, sorry. Yeah, playing up there as a as a second as a, a number two as a second striker. I think with Mooney, Mooney has an habit of like coming off. He likes to come off and play off the centre halves rather than up against them. So what I identified straight away was that he wasn't going to play up there all the time. He was going to want to drift and go into little pockets and cause problems that way. So I've tried to look at the team and how we play to fit him into it in, in many respects that he can play up there as in a 4-4-2 initially but he can also drop off into them little holes um, in behind the midfielders so as long as he's in the box I don't have a problem with it and I always say that to him I don't want you coming off but I don't want you coming off too far because I think initially it was a couple of games he came beyond the midfield and then when the ball got played wide he wasn't in the box so from my point of view I want him to, to play up there more with McCauley, give him that support. Um, in in uh, whatever two we play, 4-4-2, 3-5-2, doesn't really matter. And then two can play a little bit higher up the pitch. Uh, because he scores headers in the box. He doesn't get headers from straight balls. He gets headers from crosses. Uh, if you notice, he's not brave enough to get headers when he's got a centre-half behind him from long kicks and things like that. He never wins anything. But when the ball's put in the box, he gets on the end of it like Dates. Dates crossed the, uh, the ball in for the goal that he scored with a head here. Um, which was a great header, great goal. But then the goals he scores. So, however and wherever he plays, he has to be in the box at the end of it. So whatever he does in the build-up, you know, he gets a, he gets a roast, and if he's not in the box when he's put in there, because um, that's his strength. That's one of his strengths. But as I say, he doesn't like playing up against people. He likes to play off people. So that's why he's played as a ten. Um, although he does start up front as a two initially, and I know people have questioned why he plays. You know, off the front as opposed to up there, but he's not. Uh, that's not where I want him to play. I want him to play up there to come off, rather than coming off to get up there. If you understand. Steve, as you know, um, this league is really hard to get out of, and it's obviously proved from Forest Green they've been in the league for I don't know how many years, but obviously they went up last year. In your own opinion, how hard do you think it will? And how many years do you think it will take us to get straight back up to League Two? Do you think we will have to do it this season, or how long do you think it will take us to take? That's a great question. Um, very difficult to answer that because I'm still learning as, as to where we are at the moment. I, I probably have a better idea when we played everybody as to whether I think we're going to be good enough to get promoted. At the moment, we haven't played every team. 
Um, I haven't seen every team in terms of watching all the teams. Um, but I think once we've played against them and seen them, I think we'll have a, an idea, and you'll have an idea, because you're not daft, you know where we stand in the top seven, if that's where we are. Um, I know what I want, and I know what you want. Um, I can tell you that, because the remit from the, the people above me was to consolidate, but that's not enough for me, I want more than that. And I know you do. Um, I share that ambition to get straight back out of the league. But I know Wrexham have been there for 10 years. I know you know a lot of the league, league clubs can't get out of it. I know Oxford took five, six years to get out of it. Luton had taken five, six years to get out of it. So, And they, they've done that with much bigger budgets than we've got. So I know how difficult it will be. It's not an easy league. And the fact that there's only two up, one automatic one in the playoffs makes it even harder. And I think there should be three teams up in this league and three down in League Two. I think that's something they should look at going forward. Um, because there's a lot of very good clubs in this league that could hold their own in League Two. And I've managed there, I've played there. Um, and probably the top half of the clubs in this league could play in League Two. And I think you know, the teams that have gone up, like Forest Green and, and Lincoln, will do well in League Two. Um, so that, there's not a lot of difference. The fact that it is only two up makes it very difficult and how competitive it is in this division. No, even likes of Eastleigh. It's a small club. Um, you know, they've, they've, they're spending big and doesn't guarantee you getting up. So what I've got to do here is, um, with the group that I've got, is try and do the best with the group and improve them. And, you know, I think we've done okay at the moment. I'd like to have won every game. That's just me, and I'm sure you would have liked to have won every game. Um, because that's, that's me as a, as, a, as a head coach, you know, looking for perfection. And um, that's what I'll strive for, try and get the team playing to win and win as many games as possible to give us a chance to get out of the league first time. If, if we can't, then we've got to build and, and try and get a team back good enough for next season to do it. Uh, but as little time we can spend in this league as possible uh, would be the best thing for me. I'm sure it is a few as well. Uh, sorry, Steve, I'm not very good with these figures. Uh, the thing that's concerned me so far, the two games we've lost, is the fact when we've gone behind, we've never looked like coming back. You know, we could have sat there, stood there all night and not scored. You know, is that not a concern for you at all a little bit? But that's just my opinion. I, th I think time will tell on that. I think you're right. The two games um, that we played, we haven't looked like coming back from. Um, mainly because the, the, particularly the second game was well out of our reach in that game. I think that 1-0, we, we've always got a chance. At 2-0, we've still got a chance. I think the way Sutton set up made it very difficult for us that first game. And then we always sort of carried away with the first game. It was like a first game nerves. Um, in both games that we've lost, we've lost our nerve a little bit and lost our patience. We've tried to chase the game after going 1-0 down, 2-0 down and, and not try to play the way we should play uh, and stick to that and believe in that. Um, the games that we've won, we've stuck to it a little bit more, been more patient, tried to play a certain way, tried to break teams down, patient passing. Um, still not enough probing for me and enough excitement in the last third, but um, like I say, we, we're getting there, we're working on that all the time, trying to improve that. Um, so until we go a goal behind and come back and win, I'll then be able to answer that question as to, I think we've got the characters to do it. Um, and I think we've got the personalities in the dressing room to be able to do that. Um, you know, we've got a lot of experience in there as well as the, like some very good young players. And I think um, I think we'll be okay. I think we will come back in games. Uh, again, 
is that just down to, to, to players is that down to tactics or things like that you know it's a, probably a combination of a bit of both but I think time will tell as the season goes on as to whether we're a team that can be resilient and can fight back from being down um, I think we can but we haven't shown that yet Steve, uh, the size of the pitches in this in this division, I think, varies more than the other divisions. How much does that take into account the way that you set the team up and your thinking and affect the game, basically? Yeah, you're a bit surprised by the the, the the big difference in pitches wherever you go. They, they are very different, and I know they have to be within a maximum and minimum, but. They are really, you're talking several yards, you're not talking, um, you know, inches, you're talking like three or four, five yards difference in width and length. Um, yeah, you have to consider that to a certain degree. The tighter pitches, obviously, the space is less to play. Um, so we might have to go a little bit more direct and more solid centrally. That's something that I'm learning about, you know, because of the vast difference. Um, the bigger pitches, like this one here, which um, you know is one of the probably one of the biggest pitches in the league, uh, enables us to play, and, and obviously we have that home advantage, having a pitch as, as big as we want it, and, and the size that we want it, so we can play the way we want to play at home, and open teams up, and the spaces are there to to hurt play to hurt teams. We have to go with what the teams want to do. I think um, you know certain managers like certain size pitches as to to what they do in terms of their players and. Um, they look to press if the push is small they can press and get near to people and, and um, if they're football teams which there isn't that many in this team in, in this league um, you know they have a bigger pitch so I think I think learning going forward uh, is a good question that we maybe need to look at that but you know I don't want to change the style drastically to suit the size of the pitch uh, I still think we can play football on a postage stamp if we're good enough at it Uh, just a quick question regarding um, Josh Coulson. Um, would you look to sign him permanently in January, uh, if given the option? And if he was to go back, um, would you say Jamie Sindels-White is ready to, to step in because he, he had a really nasty injury last season and he's, he's only just got back fit? Thanks. Yeah, I would, uh, I would consider signing Josh. I think um, you know you've got to try and sign players that, that know this league, but can also play in the league above it, because um, ultimately that's where we want to end up. So Josh is good enough for this league, certainly good enough for League Two. So he would be a good addition. I know he's coming to the end of his contract in the summer, so that would be something we would consider. Um, I think he's going to be good for us, and uh, he's already shown what he can do, uh, even at this stage of the season. So I think I think Jamie's. He's getting nearer to um, nearer to, to fitness now. What he hasn't had is games, and his knee's fine now. He's a very different player to Josh. Um, he's a, he's a, a really good footballer, very calm and composed, and comes out with the ball, which you'd like as, to watch as a spectator. But with, obviously, I don't want the risk in that sometimes, but I don't want to stop him doing it because he's very good at it. As long as there's no risk and it doesn't cost goals, then I'm happy for him to continue to do that. But he will be 
I think, a good addition in a back two or a three uh, because of his football ability and also he's a big lad. And it, it, the, the main thing, the, the last thing he couldn't get was, um, was the jumping and the landing and the, the contact because it sort of goes back to how he did the injury initially. So I think there was a little bit of mental scars um, where we were working with him in terms of how he actually did the injury in the first place. And he's, get, he's overcoming that now. Uh, it was initially the, the tangling of legs and the contact with the, the opposition's forward that he, he is crucial. So I think he's getting over that and he certainly looks a good player. He's big, six foot three, he's competitive. Um, you know, he can play. You know, he can play any, any position along the back. So um, he can play holding midfield as well. He's done that for Swindon. I think he was he was going to have a good career at Swindon. They they really liked him. He would have gone on again, uh, but obviously injury after seven games came at a bad time in his career. So he's got to re rebuild his career now, and we're we're happy to have him here to do that and help him do that. I'd just like to say thank you to my children for actually doing a great job on the microphone tonight. But also, I'd like to say, um, as your supporters liaison officer and also the membership support uh, membership secretary in here, the supporters club, um, the away attendances have been thousand plus for all the away games that we've had. Um, obviously, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that we've all turned out in numbers and considering what we've been through. And um, I'd just like to say thank you, and I hope that it um, comes out within, like, to the team that you know we are we are 100% behind you. You put it on the pitch, and we'll put it in the stands. No, I mean the support's been uh, been amazing. We we always talk about the support on Mondays with the players. Uh, and how much behind the players you all are, which is really important, um, even after Tuesday, <laughs> to see another thousand turn up at Woking, which took me two and a half hours to get there. Um, again, was a great response and a great, great thing to see. I and mean, it really does help them. You know, you don't underestimate how much your support helps the players on match days. It's uh, a massive, extra man, as they always say, and. Um, and hopefully long may it continue. Hopefully we can keep delivering performances that you'll enjoy watching and results that you'll enjoy coming to watch as well. So it was nice to see um, you walking out of the ground at Woking, uh, applauding the players and thanking them for their efforts and response from Tuesday night, which was, which was really good going forward and really positive for us. So thank, thanks for that. Steve, um, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, last season we went, well it wasn't really that much times, but we went 1-0 or 2-0 up and we just let games slip through our hands because we thought, yeah, we've got this under our bag, we're, we're going to get the three points and quite a lot of last season we let teams back into the games and it nearly happened against Solihull a couple of weeks ago when we had 2-0 up we was like, yeah, we've got this and then Solihull got a goal back and then we nearly panicked and thankfully Mooney got his, well I don't know if it's me, I can't remember, but um, yeah, we went 3-1 up and then, um, yeah, but how, how, how would you, like, um, like keep each to players, like, I know it's only 2-0, but like, we need to keep our guard up and everything like that. Um, I, th I think as a, as a player and 
coach, manager, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm happy to win games 1-0 and get three points. I think that's it. If it's 5-4 and we win the game, it's three points. If it's 1-0, it's three points. Um, one, you know, the result, in a way, is irrelevant. I think you're right about there was a few squeaky moments in, in that game, but you're going to get that at the moment. I think you're going to get that in any, any supporter that would stand here or sit here and say that. There's always going to be moments when the opposition have a few opportunities. There's always going to be moments when you miss chances. And in the end, what matters is what happens after 90-odd minutes. And if you win the game 3-1 or you win it 2-0, um, you've done your job and you, what you then look at is the performance from my point of view we have to look at the performances and, and how many opportunities were actually given the opposition at Woking we, I, don't, I think the first shot they had was the 93rd minute um, so we did a good job on them we, we didn't allow them between us and in behind us and you know they didn't have any opportunities and that's a team that were unbeaten at home at the time so it, it was a good result coming back off the, la the back of a 6-1 thrashing in a way and when, when the, the team performance was so open and we look so vulnerable. So I think, as I say, in three days from that result, we've responded very well to that. And hopefully we can show more resilience in games so that when we are one and up, two and up, as a, as a supporter, you actually think that we're not going to concede. And we're not at that stage yet, but hopefully we can be as the season goes on. That when we do go goal up, you believe that we're going to win the game, we're not going to concede a goal. So again, I think the, the, the players we've got. Um, experience we've got will help that. I think the younger players are more susceptible to errors um, because they're young and they're learning but the older players will make errors but less of them um, so that obviously nullifies the fact that the, the opposition can create chances or score goals against us so like I say I think we're all still learning about this group me included it's a new group we're still learning about characters and personalities and how they react to things on the pitch um, so we'll learn more as the, as the season goes on and, and obviously the next time we sit here you'll have different questions about it, I'm sure. Yeah, hi Steve. Um, whilst I agree with Karen, we're all right behind the team. Uh, there is one player which seems to have been singled out on social media and at the games for, for criticism and that's Joe Widdison. To me, it looks as though it's starting to affect him. Uh, how do you, as a manager, help him through what is, seems to be at the moment a bad patch? Uh, first of all, I don't read social media, and I actually tell the players not to go on social media um, because it can affect them. And I haven't had a conversation with Joe whether he's been looking on social media, whether that's the reason it's affected him or not. I happen to think the home game at, that he played here was very good. Um, I thought he did okay on Saturday. He has had in different games, but he's a new player into the team like Jake is and all the others. Um, I'm still learning about Joe Widdison and how I can get the best out of Joe Widdison, how he responds to different things. But I think from a social media point of view, you know, everyone has an opinion and I, I totally agree with that, that they can put their opinion on social media. All I say to Joe Willison is don't read it, and because I don't read it, um, just get on with your game, do what you can do, and uh, show that you're a good player, and, and that's the only way you can get over that. If that's if it is affecting him, which I don't think it is, I'm not sure that he's, he, he reads it um, because I've told him not to. So we'll, we'll see. But going forward, if if, that, if I have to sit down with players about 
things like that, then I will do. You know, if that becomes a problem and that affects them, um, you know, we have to sit down with them and educate them on that and and you know, give, put their arm around them and, and manage that situation. Steve, on Tuesday, Dayton came over and thanked all the fans. Um, in the Slade area, one thing he did was he always come over and thank the fans, no matter what, him included. That be something you might see yourself doing more in the future. Yeah, I actually did come over and clap the fans on Tuesday night, um, albeit not too close. <laughs> but no, I did. Uh, I did. I did actually walk over and clap the fans, and uh, I don't know whether videos picked that up, but I always clap the fans. I don't ever go away from a game. No matter what the score, not congratulating the fans for coming and giving their support, and that's something I've always encouraged the players to do: is to go over to the to the fans, whatever, whether they're getting criticised or anything. Uh, I think it's important that we we keep that relationship. You know, it's always going to be great. There's times when um, you know we haven't played well and haven't played as well as we could, or you might not think we've tried. I certainly don't think that's the case. I do think that it's more performance related and, and inconsistency with some of the players. Um, and you know we, we, we get that and but I do think it's important we do thank you for coming and uh, you know you paid your money you come come and support you talk to your opinion I get that because I've been a fan myself um, so I, I totally understand and as I say going forward you know it's something that I do think is important that whatever the result whatever the performance that the players do come over and and, uh, and thank you for that Steve a lot has been said over the last couple of months that we were at a disadvantage because of Coco taking so long to sell the club. Um, just, just how far do you think we are still behind the clubs in re regard to fitness and team building? Team building, is that the right word? Formations, etc. He didn't say the B word to be fair, he called it Coco. No, it's, a, it, it's a good question and um, in, in many respects that, that was out of my control a little bit because at the timing of when I got the job uh, I would have um, going back I would have preferred the players to have been in at least two, two and a half weeks before they started back. So for me coming into it, um, they've only actually had just over four weeks of pre-season. That's not enough by a long way. So the first games of the season was actually the times when they were getting their fitness, which it shouldn't have been that way. It should have been the Bill and Ricky game was the only 90 minutes that some of those players got. Now, ideally, they should have got five 90-minute games prior to that season starting. So they are playing catch-up. We're actually where we are now, five games in, is where we should be at the start of the season in terms of the match fitness. That's without a doubt. So we're way behind on that. So maybe another five games we'll start to get where we want to be with the players in terms of the match fitness. Um, and obviously now we can track that with the GPS. The problem we've had is so many games so quickly um, that it's literally been playing, resting, recovery, train one day, plan for the next day, play, 
uh, in on Sundays at the ground. We were, I brought them in on Sundays now, introduced that as a recovery day and a training day for the lads on the pitch um, when we've got a midweek game. So we play Saturday, they're in Sunday. They train Monday, we play Tuesday, we're off Wednesday, we're in Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we play again, we're in Sunday if there's a midweek game. So it hasn't given me a lot of time to to do a, a lot of coaching on the training pitch. Today was probably the first day in three weeks that I've been able to actually do some work on the team. So it's literally been play and rest. So that hasn't enabled us either to get more fitness working, more planning with them, more um, team working. So... I think you've got to get that pre-season. You have to get the work in pre-season, but you need six to seven weeks to be able to do that. Um, and we only had four. And when I came to the club, we only had eight kids as a squad. Eight kids of 18 years of age and 19 years of age. And that was an absolute... The first thing I identified when I come in was, we need some players. And uh, I know that, that took a lot of thinking. And uh, So we sat down with Martin and literally looked at three players, the lists were very small because most of the best players had gone. Um, so I got my list of agents out, I got about five pages of agents, most of them north based, but quite a few of them down here. He got his list out and we literally sat for hours and hours every single night till seven, eight o'clock at night, phoning, looking through the lists, looking what was available. Then it was about what DNA I wanted, so it wasn't straightforward, it was about this is the certain type of player I want with a great attitude, wants to come to the football club. We want them to be local because, you know, London-based players know London very well. You bring a northern-based player down, like myself, coming down, they, as a player, they're leaving their families behind, they've got kids, they want to go back home, they don't want to be here, you know, they keep travelling up and down, it doesn't help. So, and we get more out of the budget, having local boys. So all these sort of processes, these thoughts were going through mine and Martin's head. So, and obviously character was a massive thing. You know, I didn't want to bring anyone to the club. We didn't want to come to the club. They're only coming for money. They certainly haven't come for money because you know the players are on a manageable amount of money. Yeah, the, the fact that we don't want the club to get in a mess again. So we're working to the budget. We're under the budget. I've got a little bit of money to spend. But as I say, the initial thing was we've got to get some experienced players in to work with these kids. And we thought the kids had got potential. Um, but we needed the experience around the kids uh, and I feel we've done that in a short space of time and we're still learning about what we brought in. I, I don't think you know we know yet whether they're all going to be a success uh, because of how quick we had to do it. We're hoping that they'll all do well. Uh, we think they've got ability and we think um, that they'll do well for the football club. We're still learning about character, we're still learning about resilience, we're still learning about whether they're going to be good enough in the end to take us to the next level. Uh, we think they will, but you don't get everyone right. And um, as I say, the initial thoughts were, we've got to bring players in to, to start the season, because if we don't, you know, we're, we're going to start the season with lots of points behind. We're, gonna, we're not going to get the... I think we've done well to get three wins out of five with this group. Now, I'd, I'd like five, five wins out of five, but, you know, I think three out of five with this group at the moment, and the two the two games, away games on AstroTurf and against the disaster on Tuesday night um, is something that was going to come because of the preparation, because of the timing of the pre-season um, and we're still learning about the group, how we're going to knit that group together and so that's going to be ongoing. When are we going to be, when do I think it's going to be as I want it? Um, it's very difficult to put a time scale on that. Um, all I can promise you that is that 
you know, myself and Martin, we're doing everything we can to get up to speed and get that team up to where everybody else is and, and beyond that if we can. I don't want them fit, I want them super fit. And it's very difficult to get them super fit during the season. You have to do that pre-season. So we are playing catch-up, I have to say. But um, I don't think we've done too bad a job at the moment. Now we've got to build on it and, and get better and get uh, you know get the team playing well and winning more games. Steve, I don't know if you remember, but um, back in the 2011-2012 season, I know I remember, and I'm pretty sure everyone in this club remembers it, uh, we used to have a group called the Cheerios. I was wondering, um, I was wondering um, if uh, there's any chance of um, us bringing them back. Because I'm telling you something now, it really does boost, boost the players up and uh, boost up as well. I'm sure you said, I'm telling you something now, it really boosts Matt McCarthy up. <laughs> I have no idea what you're on about. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what is the Cheerio group? You tell me what they do. Okay, I think the... The American owners are looking at cheerleaders. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do a great job. Yeah, that is something I think that they've spoken about. Um, how we can improve match day experience and, and atmosphere. I think we've talked about um, music when we score. So hopefully we score a few that we get different music. <laughs> Listen, I'm talking about what we've spoken about. Um, so we're just looking looking at match day experience. Obviously, I'd rather spend two or three hours in the bar after the game as, a, as an, an experience. It's a good experience in here, but... You can buy, you can buy the chili with a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're probably too young to drink. But yeah, I think it, that, that is something that the owners, being American, obviously, you know, the razzmatazz of, of uh, American football and things like that, they want to try and bring a little bit of that thing here. Plus the uh, Dunkin' Donuts as well. Uh, which I hope will be free. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, and obviously quite rightly, that we've had quite a lot of games come thick and fast at us. I'm curious for, as a fan, in terms of scouting the opposition, what we have in place and what obviously you can you can disclose to us, because obviously the lower down the pyramid you go, the harder intelligence and data uh, becomes, because obviously not everybody has the equipment, the tools and, and, and the outlets to do that. So can you give us a bit of an understanding about what we're doing uh, in terms of scouting the opposition? Yeah, well, um, we employed the chief scout, Steve Foster, who worked at Norwich. Um, he's been with us several weeks now and he's got a team of people who go and watch the opposition teams, uh, obviously they have to plan that well in advance to make sure they watch them home and away. So I get two reports sent to me by email and I print them, um, of the home and away opposition. So then playing at home and whoever it is and then playing away from home and then it's obviously quite an in-depth set, play, set plays, um, how they play, systems, substitutions they made, any little things that happened in the game, throw-ins, corners. Uh, penalty takers for the goalkeepers. They obviously watch clips of the penalty takers. So it's it's as it was. You know, I, I was always at it. You know, previously at previous clubs, it was quite 
intense and, and quite a lot of information. So I'm always I'm always skeptical about there being too much information because you know footballers aren't intelligent, so they just need one or two little things up there to help them. Uh, I don't want too much information. I think that the, the most simple is the best. And at the moment, the focus has been on us as opposed to the opposition. It's been more focused on what we're going to do as opposed to what the opposition are going to do. But you still need that information. So um, we've got quite a professional group together, really. Um, the reports have been very good, I have to say. They're, they're quite in-depth. And all I, all I do is read through them, break them down uh, into English. And then uh, Thursday and Friday, I'll do the work on the game Saturday. So the work starts Thursday uh, after the day off Wednesday. And more or less on Thursday, they know what the team's going to be. So I like the players to know that they're playing rather than name the team on the day. Because if you name the team on the day, that means you haven't done the work before the game. You're basically just throwing the team together. So I like to do the work Thursday and Friday, make sure that they know exactly what I want from them. And from set plays, we go through every set play against and for. We look at different ways of changing it. I know the delivery sometimes doesn't look like we've worked on them, but we, we, I can promise you that we do. Um, and we, we did some today. As I say, we're just trying to get better in those uh, areas. and. You know, I spoke to the Lincoln manager about this league um, when I got the job and he said that they scored 56% of their goals from set plays in this division. So I know that we that the late Norway last season only scored one goal from a, a set play. So there's a lot of work to be done to get to 56% from one goal. We've already scored two goals, I think, already from set plays. So that's, that's better than last season. <laughs> so we, we need to get better at it that's just not just free kicks around the box that's wide and corners and all those sort of things so but yeah the the, the, the reports that I've been pleased with um, we're constantly scouting and watching players you know obviously Steve's involved in that as well um, under 23 games um, we're still watching our Alzati who scored the other day for Brian you know we're still keeping a check of those lads as well so it's it's a, it's a good group and, and as I say every Probably twice a week we have a meeting about recruitment uh, with Steve and every day I have a meeting with Martin about recruitment and how we can improve the team and where we need to get to. And so that's an ongoing thing, but um, yeah, it's quite in depth. about uh, budgets. What is our budget compared to everyone else in the league? Is it is it up there? Is it one of the bigger budgets, or is it just medium compared to the other teams? Supporters always like to know what we spend on. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I can't tell you exactly what it is, and I don't know what the other teams spend. I know that Eastleigh's bigger than ours. Um, of the yeah, I think it's still that in this. I'm not sure on in this league what the what it is, but um, it's a, all I say is our budget is competitive budget in this division. Um, it's more than I had in the previous club in League One, so it's it's decent. Although <laughs> the previous club was very low, so uh, you know I don't have to get rabbits out of hats here too much. You know there, there is a, I do have a chance. I do have a chance, um, and that, I'm pleased with that because. You know, that gives me an opportunity to, to bring a, a certain quality of player in. So, I always, 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 recruitment, I always, you know, the previous club, I always used to think, well, 
I'm going into Arrows with a fiver and I'm trying to buy something there and I, and I can't. Whereas here, I go into Arrows with a little bit more money and I've got a chance of buying something. So that's how I, I would explain Orient's budget. It, it's decent. I know that if we got out of this league, it would it would be increased, certainly. It would have to be, to be competitive in the league above. But I think it's reasonably competitive in this division without being the best one. There will be probably seven or eight bigger than ours. Um, but it, it's decent and it gives us a chance. When you're sitting on the bench before the game or during the game, what's the whole thing with the blue t-shirts? Now and again I noticed you don't wear them and did you get in trouble for it when you didn't? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've actually sent an email in about the, uh, the Jacko gear because obviously we've got an obligation to Nike because we wear Nike kit. Um, so we, by wearing this stuff, we can't show our Nike kit and sponsorship off. So we, we have sent an email into the league to find out why we need to wear it. If you don't wear it, you get fined. Um, yeah, well, apparently, if you wear a suit, if the manager wears a suit, you don't have to, I don't have to wear it, but the staff have to wear it. So I can get away with not wearing it um, if I wanted to. But I was thinking of going half and half, you know, like the blue and then the, the suit trousers and that. But no, no I think um, I don't certainly like it. I have to say it uh, looks terrible. It's a terrible colour. don't suit me at all. So, But if I, I, the club gets fined. Uh, I think it's... 250 quid a game and then it doubles every time you don't wear it so it's 500 a grand it just goes up like that so um, it's part of the sponsorship we have to you know we have to go with it in this league um, I'm not a big fan of it I have to say none of the players are the staff hate, hate wearing it but we have to wear it unfortunately but I'm thinking of wearing my suit so I don't have to wear it but I don't mind the staff wearing it if I don't have to wear it You worked uh, with the director of football at Crew. How different is it working on a Martin Ling uh, Orient now? House. <laughs> <laughs> um, director of football uh, with Dario's interpretation of uh, the director of football is very different to to what the director of football does here. Um, at Crew, um, he coached within the academy three nights a week. Um, he obviously at Crews a selling club so I had to play certain players and I wasn't told to play certain players but we had to play certain players to sell them so we played certain players when I didn't think they were ready to sell ready to play um, and that was the role of Dario really he, he was the one who identified the million pound players he was the one that said you need to play him um, also we're not going to sell him so we played him um, some we sold, some we didn't, some it was too early, some weren't ready, we took them back out. Um, but his, his role really was more academy, he didn't really, he didn't pick the team, he didn't have any say on match days particularly, apart from he'd have his comments after the game about what he thought, which is great for me, because it was a great learning tool that, you know, somebody of his experience um, was giving me advice and information after. 
Um, but he didn't interfere, I have to say, in, in that time I was there. But his role was very different to Martin's role. Martin literally takes care of all the, um, the, the financial side. I don't have to do any contracts. I don't have to speak to players, really. He does all that, whereas at Crew I did all the, the budget, I did all the the, uh, the scouting, I did all the um, signing of players, talking to players, um, which that's been taken off me here. Uh, all I do is speak to Martin about who we'd like to sign, and that's a joint decision. Um, he looks after everything to do with football, all the football side of it, from the academy, who, who he's just introduced two new staff to the academy because we hadn't got literally anybody doing that. Um, you know, we've had to build a whole team in the background for academy, first team, and, and it's been a massive job. And he, he's worked absolutely unbelievably for the last six or seven weeks that I've been here, and I know he's worked well before that as well. I'm just trying to get people at the football club who, who care, who, who want, who knows who do a good job, um, and he's done a great job. And I've known him prior to working here. I've known him when I put teams against him and. We've gone against each other. I've been on a lot of LMA dinners and and um, and days out there. So we, we've we've met up a few times and spoke. Uh, we've got a lot of respect for each other, and it, it's a very different relationship. As I say, Dario's you know he's in his seventies, whereas Martin's in his fifties. So we have a lot more in common. We spend a bit more time together. Um, we meet every day. We talk about the team, the players, everything to do with football every single day, and. Uh, you know, till six or six, seven o'clock at night. He gets home at ten o'clock. Then he has a conference call from America, which he does at half past ten at night. So because of the time difference, so he, he's he's been unbelievable. I have to say, he's been a breath of fresh air for this football club. And you know, he's a great guy to have. To have he does a great job. I have to say, I mean, I'm enjoying working with him. Having said that, he'd probably be the man that sacks me at the end. <laughs> Hi there. Um, you were talking about finances earlier on. Can you give us an idea of what our players are actually earning? Like top players, what kind of money they'll be on? Ten grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't discuss um, personal finance, but it's a lot less than the previous person paid the players. That's all I'll say, and I don't get fined for that, do I? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a manageable amount. It's a, it's a it's an amount that um, allows you to get certain players because of the attraction of that. But it's not ridiculous that we can't manage it going forward um, because we don't want to get in the same mess that we got in uh, previous three years. So, but um, no, I couldn't I couldn't disclose earnings um, at the moment. So. Steve, fairly physical league, and we've already picked up quite a few yellow cards. Are, are you concerned about that and how we go forward? And have we got enough cover for when we get the suspensions? Thanks. Um, I don't know whether that's the referee's fault or whether that's the player's fault, but the referee, we had five yellow cards on Saturday. There wasn't a bad tackle all game, so you know, I, I think he was very eager to give out cards for the first tackle um, consistently. He was consistently poor, really. I, I don't think we've had a, 
a decent referee this season, but I am concerned because I don't want to lose the players that are uh, the, the, the around there, the main players, the mainstay of the players. Having said that, I do think we can cover that. Um, it's unusual because for me, my teams normally, we win fair play every year. So because I, I'm a big believer in keeping 11 players on the pitch to win football matches rather than risk losing players and playing with 10 men. It's very difficult to win games with, with, with a man down. So I am a big advocate of, of you know playing the game properly and uh, at the same time, if that player needs to be brought down, he's clean through, he needs to be brought down. Um, so I have a bit of that in me as well. So, But yeah, I think we can cover the, the yellow cards. Um, I don't want them to keep mounting. You know, I don't want to be three or four that have got five bookings at this stage. I know Charlie's on three, I think, at the moment. So, But uh, I do think the referees have contributed to a lot of them cards um, unnecessarily, really. Um, that's something I can't control. What I can do is control what the players do on the pitch. <laughs> Favouritism. <laughs> As you know, or hopefully know, we have a very successful ladies team. And um, if the opportunity come, could you all have like, a training session together every other week or something? I don't know. And I just, just putting it out there, they're Premier League, by the way. I, I am interested in women's football. I used to run a team at Nantwich and um, they were great, the girls were brilliant. And uh, So I am interested in that. I haven't really had time at the moment to take a int big interest in that. And we, we were actually talking today about the women's teams. I think they've got some games on our pitch, haven't they, on, on the main pitch? Yeah, so I think I think that's that will happen. Um, and I know they're reasonably successful and, and they're a decent group of girls, but I haven't had the chance to meet them yet and I will. Because um, as I say, I'm a bit advocate of that football. I've enjoyed watching England girls, women women's play in, in the, you know in the games that they played. Um, didn't quite make it, but uh, you know give a really good account of themselves. Um, so as I say, going forward, that's something I'd like to get involved in a little bit more. Although the priority at the moment is the first team and, and how we perform on the pitch. There we go. Um, Steve, I'm curious a few things, right? With the last regime, it was always, you know, bigged up that we were going to get into the championship, the, the, the Premier League and all this. But can you, do you think it's possible, I mean, we're starting off again from the very basics, that we could, you know, what, what we really need to get back to League One, I mean, it's going to take some time, and then progress from there. Do you think you see that? in the future? Like, could you be a part of that? Do you think we can do it? I think um, if you're going to do those types of things as a club, you need uh, really good backers to be able to do that. And I think the two guys are unbelievable in terms of what they're thinking of the club and how it's to move forward. Um, without money nowadays, you don't, you can't progress to those levels. Um, the ground, is it big enough for Championship Premier League football? I'm not sure in terms of bringing in a, a, an amount of income that would attract the better players. Um, but if you've got a backer who's willing to, to put a lot of money into the football club, it could be done. But I think we have to think of here and now where we are. I think the important thing is now we're, we're level-headed. We know we've got a 
get out of this division. We know how hard it's going to be. I think everyone's realistic with that. Hopefully, it doesn't take us a long time because um, we're all keen to get. You know, the, the players, the, the staff, we all want to. You know, Lingin, all they want to get out of this division as quick as possible. But you know, it's very difficult to assess how long that's going to take. I think it's a step at a time. I wouldn't look forward beyond um, you know the next two or three years. I think it's important that we get out of this division. Then we look at what we do in League Two how we stay in League 2, how we progress from League 2. I think, as I say, it would be foolish of us to look at beyond that. I hope that we can get back to League 1 because um, I think that's where this club should be. Challenging for, um, like you said, challenging for the opportunity to be in the Championship. It's proved that clubs like Huddersfield that can, it can be done. Um, so the dream is there, definitely. It's a possibility, and I would never take that dream away from, from you lads and ladies. Um, but I think we've got to be realistic, and we've got to be uh, we've got to lower our expectations slightly, and, and where we are at the moment. And like I say, it's going to take time to get out of this league. Um, hopefully, as I say, we can do it, and then we can plan from there. But I think it's uh, let's not look too far ahead at the moment. around how the front 
the two players um, show the attacking players, the, 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 their defenders, into a certain area of the pitch. Um, we tried to squeeze on one side or the other. I don't know if you've noticed how we set the forwards up, but there was no sign of that in this particular game. And obviously the midfield players then have got to get tied to their players. So what I've found is with, with um, playing against the long ball teams is that um, you have to set up a certain way to counteract that. You need a lot of bodies in around where the ball's going to land. Um, and then you need to try and play your football. So initially you've got to play, you've got to play very narrow to defend and then you've got to be very wide to play the football after you've been narrow. Um, and again, it's, for, for me, it's a learning curve. This league, I've played in this league, but not managed in this league, apart from a brief spell at Northwich. So I'm still learning about how this league's changed, the, the type of football that's been played in this league. Um, and, you know, you have to be a fast learner in, in this division. I think we learned a hell of a lot from that game in terms of uh, attacking and defending. You mentioned earlier about us being one of the um, sort of, you know, the pressure of of fans, you know, turning up in, in, in masses. Oh no, you didn't actually. But I'm going to ask about, the, you know, having a thousand, eleven hundred fan, Orient fans being at away games, uh, and obviously with us being the perceived big club, you know, turning up at these grounds. You know, some of them don't get a thousand a week, and we're turning up with a thousand as away. Does that add an extra layer of pressure to the players? And, and if so, how is that dealt with? I think any successful team in any league um, has to play with pressure, has to embrace pressure, play with pressure, play well under pressure. Um, if you're a fancy team, you're a fancy team, you've got to play with that. A big crowd, wherever that brings, a team that the bookies have, have said that was going to win the league or get promoted. I think that's good. I think that I want the players to embrace that challenge, not, not fear it, not, not hide away from it. I want them to think that every time they go away there's going to be a thousand fans there that they've got to play for. Uh, and the same when you're at home, there's 5,000 fans here all, all want to win the game. And uh, I want the players to embrace that, not, not fear it. Um, so I think if you're going to be successful and, and win things, you have to play with that pressure. You might look at the top players in many respects, they play with pressure every week. And then they get analysed on the TV and then they get analysed by the analysers. And So the, the, the pressure's massive at the very top end. So for us to have a little bit of pressure in terms of that is, is something we've got to buy into and uh, as I say if we want to be successful we've got to have it and I, I think all, all it does is it gives the opposition uh, a raise I think uh, I spoke to a gentleman earlier about he was talking about um, probably raising their game with the crowd that we had and then Woking suffered because of it they saw it and didn't react to it uh, as Bromley did Bromley saw it as a real raise in the game and, and I think because we're a, a, a big club in this division and, and we are um, it, every game's a cup final and it's going to be a cup final and the, the atmosphere that, that the supporters create should be in our favour as I say and not against that so I think it's a having a big crowd's a good thing because what comes with that is expectation as well and that grows um, we've got to match that expectation at some point You talk about a big game, the big game coming up will be Tramia. Now, that's going to be on the telly. Uh, and the supporters club ain't arranging no coaches up here. So they're opening up the supporters club for the people who are watching on the telly here. And it's on a Wednesday night. 
So it's going to be very difficult to go up there and want, if you want to watch a game. Is there any chance that the, 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 club, the club will uh, arrange coaches? I don't Rather know. than supporters club, because the supporters club ain't interested. <laughs> I'd like to respond on behalf of the supporters club is that we are interested but we did look at it at booking it on the Tuesday as we had on our coach travel list but then when they changed it to the Wednesday and they put it on telly the actual take up for the match and to buy the tickets had dropped significantly and it was a case of well it's not really worth running a coach we don't you know, we do run coaches at a loss, but we're not prepared to run coaches where there's only two or three people on them. When it's, uh, when it's on the television, the, the, uh, the, the commentator will say, Tramius, uh, the crown attendance were 3,000 uh, supporters, 2,700 uh, from Tramia and 80 from bloody uh, Orion. That's bad. I should respond to that as well, Jeff. I think you will find that there will be a lot more than that. I'll make enough noise for 100 pounds, son. Don't you worry about that. And me, Darren. I'll be with you, mate. <laughs> we'll, we'll be going. That's fine. Yeah, that, that decision was made by myself um, and obviously David Moon, it was between the two of them. I know that some people think you shouldn't have a club captain and a, and a captain as separate, but um, I feel that's they're two different jobs in many respects. If Charlie's not playing and Moons becomes the captain, beyond that is we've got enough players there who could be captain. I just felt that Charlie was, you know, had a great season last season at Stevenage and knows the league and is a good leader, great late around the players, a really good character, always bubbly after every game. You know, he's always one a bit of a joker. Um, so his personality shone above anybody else. Um, so that was the reason I picked him as the the, the captain on the pitch. Um, Obviously, Moons is different. He's, you know, he bleeds this colour, you know, red and white, and loves the club and uh, wants to be involved in a successful team and wants to be involved in something that's going to happen at the football club and also wants to be involved with all the all the club activities that are going on. So he, he's a really good ambassador for the club. So I think as a club captain, he, he was the right choice as well. This is just, I thought, what was your club that you supported when you was a little boy? Yeah, I did say that. I think you fell asleep when I was talking, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, Wolverhampton Wonders was, was uh, my team, uh, the old Golden Blacks. And um, they had many, many great players. I think my my favourite player was um, John Richards. John Richards was a great striker, scored a lot of goals, and he was probably my my hero as a boy. Steve, there's um, loads of great players around the world. What made you like? Um, what made you 
sign the plays that you did. <laughs> oh, but a fool, to be fair. Um, you, you sign players, whatever club you manage or coach, you sign players because they're the players that you, you can afford. If you look at recruitment, recruitment is in stages, it's in like different sections. You get your elite players, you get your just below that players that are okay, and, and then you get your players that are at the bottom of that list. Now, we, at the previous club, I tried to say, sign the best of the bottom group of players um, to give ourselves a chance of, of being able to forward the best, very best we could and, and make our money stretch as far as it possibly could. So I think your, your recruitment depends on what salaries you can pay at the end of the day because most players um, you know, get used to a certain salary, use a certain, you know, live in a certain lifestyle. Um, but what we've done this season, if we couldn't afford them, we haven't signed them uh, here. If we could afford them, we brought them in. So I think it depends on your budget. It depends on uh, the budget will depend on what quality of player you could sign, without a doubt. Um, and if you can get the best players, you get a good team. Uh, Dario used to say, if you can sign the best players, you've got the best team. If you can sign great players, you've got a great team. And it's not rocket science. I think I, you know, I agree with that. I think in the end, um, you look at the Premier League. The budget takes you to the very top. Um, in many respects, you get the odd team that overachieve, but can't do that repetitively, and it's the same in every league. Uh, Steve, I think at Crew you use the loan market quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure when the loan market closes, but whether we've got Josh Corson, would you be prepared to bring loan players into the club in the next few weeks? I mean, yeah, I would be prepared to do that because it's cost-effective to do it. I don't like doing because when, I, when we sat down and, and had the recruitment meetings, I did say to Martin I only wanted permanent signings if possible. The low market would be if we couldn't get those permanent signings in because it, there's, there's nothing better than working with players that are there and you know they're going to be there for the next 12 months, 18 months, two years, whatever it is. Um, but you can also get a few really good players on loan that become available. Um, and for this league, we can sign loan players at any time of the season, so there isn't no restriction with the window. As in League Two and One and, and, and above, it's um, it's only window, so it's it's August and January. So you know their window finishes in you know the end of this month, um, and then they can't sign anyone till January. Whereas in the National League, we can sign loan players, emergency loan players, at any time of the season. So we're not restricted in that respect, uh, which is good. Uh, but then obviously going forward, we have to plan for. For the next league, if that's the case. So, but yeah, we can we can loan any time. Um, you know, I'm prepared to do it as long as they're better than what we've got. And and in the past, I have loaned players because it's been affordable. I mean, I think that I think I signed um, um, Tatey from Swansea. Remember Alan Tate? Um, I got him for two hundred and fifty pound a week, and he was on about fifteen grand a week. So it was a really good deal. So you can get good deals. You can get good players. And um, you know, if you, if they're better than what we've got. I'm prepared to do that and take the risk, um, but at the moment, as I say, I'm happy with what I've got. Josh is the only lone player that I foresee coming in at the moment. If we can bring a permanent big striker in, that'd be great. If we can bring a permanent winger in, that'd be even better. So if we can get those two, I think we'll not be far enough with, far off with the squad then. Cheers. One more question, sir. So Steve, when you got here, the backroom staff was already here via like coaches and 
if they weren't up to your standard or you couldn't get on or whatever, will you be allowed to change them or is that up to Martin Ling to change them? Not saying they're bad or nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was something that I knew coming into the job that they'd, all, they'd already been appointed and I was happy to work with them. Um, I'm here to improve them as well, not just to develop the players. I'm here to develop the staff and help the staff in terms of the coaching, what I expect from them, how I want them to coach. Um, you know, we had a session today. We sat down. I said, this is how I want it to be done. This is what I'm looking forward to you to do. And they went out and did it and did it very well. They're very good coaches. Um, Webby and uh, and Ross, they're very good. And you know, all, all you want, all you want as a head coach is your support staff to give you the support when you need it. And um, it's a, it's a brand new team that Martin's brought in in terms of uh, you know sports science, um, physios, masseurs. Um, you know, we've got all those things in place now. So now we've just got a head of coaching and head of recruitment and all those things as well. So I think we've pretty much um, got every position covered and. Uh, I've met every one of them and, and spoke individually and as a group we have a, we have a team meeting every morning uh, about quarter nine we go through the day we go through the week what we're going to be doing how it's going to be done um, so it's just for me it's just controlling that team and managing that team and, and getting the best out of that group as it is the players it's no different um, and you know I've been pleased with the staff they've all they're all very competent and up to now they've done a very good job so uh, I've been pleased with what I've come into whether I could whether I could make a difference in terms of if they're not doing their job properly, I wouldn't look to get rid of anybody. I'd look to try and see where we can improve what they're doing and make them better, as opposed to just saying you're not good enough and bringing another person in. I'm, I'm that type of person to just get rid of people for the sake of it. I think it's important that you try and work with them uh, and work together. And I think that's the way I that's the way I look at things. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks for your support and attendance tonight. Lots of good and interesting questions and some great answers from Steve. Obviously we all wish him well and we're sure that the club is once again in your hands. So well done Steve. Thanks very much and good luck on Saturday. Thanks again everyone.